I'm excited about being back today. Uh, some folks have questioned whether I should come back on Mother's Day. Of all days, Tim, why would you start back on Mother's Day? But I know God wants me to share a message with you today, and, and I'm just ready to preach again. I, I'm just ready to go. Today, of course, is Mother's Day, and it's also the last message from this series we've been doing on the book of James. And so first things first, happy Mother's Day. Have, all you mothers, stand up real quick for us. Stand up, mothers, stand up. Let us give you the thanks that you deserve. And I know, I know everybody's going to take care of you today. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I remembered a story that Cruz had shared with me about his mother. And rather than me share that story, I thought it'd be better if Cruz could share that story. So Cruz, come on out and tell us about an experience you had with your mom. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so it's weird to come right back out. I, I, it's like a, I was I'm already out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I was in college, and uh, I, I went to MACU, uh, Mid-Atlantic Christian University in Elizabeth City, and I would come home every so often, um, and uh, on one particular home trip, I got up in the middle of the night, which is out of the ordinary for me, because I usually just am sound asleep, and I got up in the middle of the night, and I needed something to drink, and so I got up, and I went to the kitchen, and uh, we had this, like, my, my mom always got these, like, five-gallon jugs of water, and we, like, like you would find at a doctor's office or something, and so I had a glass, and I was pouring water into that, and I look up, and in the living room, it's like two o'clock in the morning, and I look up, and in the living room, there's this dark figure just, like, <laughs> lurking, like, hunched over, like, towards the floor on the couch, and I started panicking, and I was like, okay, like, Am I just hallucinating? You know, like when you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, am I seeing something that's not really there? And I just I take a glance, and then I just drink my glass of water, and then I go for another drink, and I'm just looking at this thing, and then I realize uh, it's my mom. My mom is in the living room at 2 in the morning um, on her knees in front of the couch laying down, and I was like, oh, she fell asleep. She's asleep. Uh, she fell asleep praying, and okay, weird thing to see at 2 o'clock in the morning, but okay. Then I walked back to my room, and I was like, I'm just not going to wake her up or anything. And the next morning, I um, am having breakfast with my mom, and I say to her, I was like, uh, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I went to go get a glass of water. And she was like, I know. And I said, oh, I thought you, were, I thought you fell asleep praying. And she said, I wasn't sleeping. I was still praying. And I said to her, well, I didn't hear you praying. And she responded to me. And this is something that I take with me everywhere. And, and it's something that transformed my view on prayer. She said to me, if, the, if your time of prayer involves you talking to God more than listening, then you're doing it wrong. And, um, yeah, that was, that was something that transformed my prayer life. So. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Hey, love you, man. I appreciate you. That, that's a great story about a mother and prayer, and we bring that story up today because without praying mothers, where would we be? Some of you can shake your heads and say, yes, I know exactly what you mean. And we could put it this way, without prayer, where would any of us be? 
Prayer is such an important part of our faith journey. And the problem is that many people never really tap in to the power of prayer or the position of prayer. Many people just try to make it through life on their own ability or maybe on their own intellect or maybe on sheer luck. And I don't know if you found out like me that none of those things are really enough. Even many Christians would have to admit that they don't have a very strong prayer life. So today I want us to really think about the value of prayer in our lives. And most uh, mothers that I have talked to, they get it, don't they? Most mothers get it. Christianity Today posted an article in 2019 about the faith of mothers and the impact that faith has on their families. When practicing Christians were asked, whose faith influenced you, 68% said mothers. When practicing teenagers were asked, which parent offers spiritual guidance, 63% said their mothers through praying with them. Now, that's not an attack on dads. It's just to say that mothers have the potential to have a tremendous impact on their children's spiritual lives. But no matter who the influencer in your life is, the key takeaway today is this. Waiting on God and praying in faith are two of the most powerful actions a follower of Christ can take. Think about those two things, waiting on God and praying in faith. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, we repent of any time that we thought we were too busy or that maybe we were too prideful to pray. Maybe we thought we could handle it all on our own and we don't need you. Sometimes we may treat prayer as if it's too trivial for us or too simple for us. Father, we need you to increase our faith and grow our understanding of the power of prayer and the righteous action of waiting. Father, we also want to thank you today for the godly mothers with whom you blessed us. Every day with them is truly a gift, and we pray we will be a blessing to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today as we look at Scripture and, and the book of James, we, we're going to learn more about waiting and praying. And I want you to remember the context that James is writing in. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to face persecution and be told that you should wait on God? I mean, you're in the middle of the fire and you're being told, <coughs> wait on God. Or that pray God would provide a miracle. For many of us, we're quick to try and figure out solutions to our problems. I don't, I don't know if you're like me, but I sort of like to know where I'm going and how I'm getting there. And I want to figure it all out before I get there. But sometimes that's not the way God works, is it? That's not necessarily wrong for us to do. I mean, God gave us brains, and he gave us resources. We live in a culture where we can order pretty much anything we want, and 
it's going to be delivered to our houses within two days, right? Um, we don't really have to wait for anything, let alone pray in earnest that God would show up and do something amazing. But that's the life that James was living. That's the life that the early church, the early Christians were living. And whether or not you've ever faced life or death persecution, I can guarantee you that the longer you follow Jesus, the more opportunities that you and I have to learn the value of waiting and praying. How many of you here today uh, are, are older than 50 years old and you've learned the value of waiting and praying? How many, how many? See, the older you get, the more you realize. Now see, some of y'all didn't raise your hands. At, you, know, you don't want to tell everybody you're over 50. Um, I've discovered that God always answers prayer. Have you figured that out? God always answers prayer. I think it was Garth Brooks who sang that song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Any, any of you country music fans remember that? Uh, that song was about some guy who saw some old flame from high school. And in high school, he had prayed to God to make her his wife. And yet, that didn't happen. He would marry another and discover that he actually loved her even more than he loved that first flame. Um, so one line in the song reads this way. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, this is country music, right? When you're talking to the man upstairs, that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Country music English, right? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Now, I just don't believe that's very good theology <laughs> because I believe God answers all of our prayers with potentially three answers. He can say yes, and whenever God says yes, there's a reason for that yes, and God can say no, and you can bet, my friends, that if God says no, you need to trust his no because he knows best. And then there can be not now, but later. And that's where the patience comes in. And we need some patience. Let's face it, 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 it's something that most of us struggle with. For those who believe, patience and prayer are two of the most powerful forces on earth. So let's go to our text today in James chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have, uh, those who have persevered. Uh, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion 
and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to do, uh, say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So I think as we read this passage, and there's going to be a little bit more later, but I think James breaks it down for us in some simple terms. First of all, be patient. Be patient. Maybe he begins with patience because patience is something we as humans struggle to attain. I read about a young mother in a supermarket pushing her shopping cart down the aisle with her little daughter. How many of you moms have done that? And you, you, you put your child in the shopping cart. Now, why do you do that? So that they can't get away from you. That's why you do it. Okay? And, and the little girl was fussing, and she was irritable and crying. Now, I know that none of your children ever acted that way. Uh, but the other shoppers gave this pair a wide berth, because the little girl was pulling cans off the shelf and throwing them out of the cart. And the mother seemed to be very calm. And as she continued down each aisle, she murmured gently, Easy now, Donna. Keep calm, Donna. Steady, girl. It's all right, Donna. And as a worker was passing by, I mean, she was greatly impressed by this young mother's patience. And she said, you certainly know how to talk to an upset child quietly and gently. And then bending down to the little girl, she said, what seems to be the trouble, Donna? And the mother said, oh, no, she's Hillary. I'm Donna. <laughs> I think you all understand what that story is all about. What parent, especially what mom, hasn't felt that? But patience is a part of the fruit of the Spirit outlined in the Apostle Paul uh, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And patience is one of the core characteristics of those who follow Jesus. There are several things that jump out at me in that first statement from our passage today. What is it that James teaches us we need to be patient about? Well, he said about the Lord's coming. Of course, he is centering our attention on Jesus' return. Belief in the second coming of Christ was at the center of the early Christians' ability to withstand persecution of all types. The apostles and the early church leaders all believed Jesus was coming back. And it cannot be understated how much that belief informed their preaching their thinking, and their actions. They could face death because they believed Jesus was coming back for them. For as much as James talked about action and works, he also believed that being patient and waiting were powerful characteristics for us as believers. Now, he shared three examples of patience that we need to notice. And in those examples, two of them were types of people that he used to illustrate the point. The farmer. Do we have any farmers in here? Do we have anybody that's ever planted a garden in here? Or planted flowers? Anybody ever planted flowers? Okay. 
I think any of you could understand. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Um, Mom remembered as she was growing up as a little girl that her mother had a flower called Christ in the Cradle. Anybody ever heard of that flower? Okay, Christ in the Cradle. It only blooms one night out of the entire year. And if you miss it, you got to wait another year to see it. Only once during the night will it bloom. And she remembered my grandmother, Booba is what we called her, waking her up in the middle of the night to go see this beautiful bloom and smell its sweet aroma. That took a lot of patience to wait. But whatever plant you will require patience when you plant it. And then the prophets. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Why the prophets? Well, because they spoke of things, many of them of which they would never see in their lifetime. Our men's study just finished up a, a study of the book of Daniel uh, on Wednesday night, and uh, there, there are things that Daniel was able to see in his visions that would happen in the future. In fact, most of them would happen after Daniel was long gone. And God revealed these things to him that he would, uh, that he would not live long enough to witness. But the prophets faithfully and patiently spoke of those things that they knew were generations beyond them, especially things about the Messiah. But they patiently endured whatever persecution came. And then he mentioned one familiar person from Jewish history. He mentioned Job. Now here was a guy who lost everything. He lost his fortune. He lost many of his friends. He lost his family. And through this prolonged season of suffering in his life. But as we now know, Job's perseverance in the midst of all that suffering was greatly rewarded. Now, none of us like to go, uh, uh, and go through suffering and pain. Um, we, we don't really want to wait for God's answers but something happens to us as we wait. We begin to rely and trust on God. And friends, if, if we don't have trust, our prayers are powerless. We have to have faith. Don't lose sight of what James wanted us to be patient about. The coming of the Lord. Many people may be given, uh, have given up hope on Jesus' return. I mean, over the years and throughout history, some people thinking they could figure out uh, some things went into the Bible and they calculated the date that Jesus was coming back. They deducted dates and times and uh, wrote books or articles 
convincing some people who went out and sold everything they had and they went into the fields waiting for Jesus to come back. And when the time came and went, Jesus hadn't returned, many of those people gave up hope. But friends, don't lose hope. Uh, Jesus said he didn't even know when this was going to happen. Don't lose faith. Jesus is coming back in God's timing. And God's timing is perfect. I think of others who needed to be patient and trust in God. Maybe some of you can empathize with these parents I'm going to share with you about today. I know a mother whose child was struggling and that child was getting into things that they didn't need to get into and they were seeking God and, and, uh, or the child was not seeking God and they were going farther and farther away from God and in the moment it was very scary. And as a parent, you know, we want our children uh, to be in heaven with us one day. That's the greatest thing we can want. And as a parent, we want to know that our child is in a good place with God. And that mother was no different. But instead of arguing with the child, instead of berating the child, instead of worrying and being sick to death, she turned to God in prayer. And God revealed to her that her child would be okay. And sure enough, that child got their act together, and today they're in a very good place. Another parent, a father this time, had a son, and he was secretly worried about his son. He didn't tell people about his concerns, but he told God, and he prayed. And one day, out of the blue, some guy was, uh, this, the father was working out in his yard, and the man was, drove by his house, then turned around and drove back up into his driveway. And the man said, I don't know why, but I feel like God wants me to tell you something. Your son is going to be okay. God wants you to know your son is going to be okay. You know, friends, waiting isn't easy, but I think sometimes God lets us know it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. In this fast-paced, immediate gratification culture in which we live, I suspect waiting can be a very difficult thing for most of us. Why wait when we can fix most of our problems with a simple click of the mouse? Why wait when there are things like a 60-day, same-as-cash financing, or YouTube, or instant coffee, or five-minute rice? We built our entire culture to be efficient, precise, and productive, and immediate. And amazingly, we are no closer to being peaceful, and content and satisfied than when we began. Do you notice that? With all of our technology, we're no more at peace than people were without it. But the world has some powerful encouragement, uh, or the word, not the world, has some powerful encouragement for those who find themselves in a prolonged season of waiting. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31, 
Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. In 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So friends, waiting isn't a passive thing we do. Waiting is a powerful thing we do. And adopting a posture of patience is a strength, not a detriment to all those who profess to follow Jesus. And there are some other things we do in the midst of waiting that make it even more powerful. They sort of supercharge the waiting, you could say. James tells us not to grumble against one another, not to swear by heaven or earth. And finally, in verses 13 through 18, we read, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What is James teaching here? Are you in trouble? What should you do? Okay, I'm going to ask that again and you tell me what I should do. Are you in trouble? What should you do? Are you happy? What should you do? Pray Pray louder. Sing, right? Even if you can't carry a tune, sing. Are you sick? What should you do? Pray. Call the elders. Call someone. Have them pray with you and for you. The response to every one of these situations is the same, which really begs the question, Should that be our default response for everything? Should prayer be a habitual response to each and every situation we find ourselves in? I know that sounds crazy, but elsewhere in the Bible, the answer to that question would be an emphatic yes. And more than just yes, but yes, we should be praying about everything. It's actually the will of God for your life. In 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 16, we read this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Church family, the will of God is that we will always rejoice, always pray, 
and always give thanks. And I know that sounds almost impossible because when we're going through difficult times, how do we, how do we have gratitude? How do we have thanks? How can we rejoice? For most of us, we find it hard to even <clears throat> sneak away for 15 minutes, let alone praying and rejoicing all day long. The prayers of the righteous are powerful. Singing songs of praise in the midst of suffering is powerful. As we learned last week, our words matter. Think about Paul and Silas in the jail as they are in chains and they're singing songs of praise. When the earthquake hit and the doors swung open wide and the chains fell away. Maybe that can be like a metaphor for us. When we're giving thanks and praising God through prayer in the midst of suffering, God can and will throw open those doors that confine us and free us from those chains. As my mother's health was eroding and we knew the end was near, one thought kept coming to my mind over and over again. And it was actually a thought that came from one of her doctors, uh, to be honest about it. And that thought was gratitude. And that may sound strange. I mean, mom was dying, and I'm grateful to God. Now, don't take it that way, but you have to understand why I was grateful. First, I was grateful that we had her for so long. I mean, a lot of people lose their mothers early in life. And don't have that influence through most of their life and in their own children's lives. Mom was just 11 days short of her 94th birthday. What a wonderful long life she lived. I'm grateful to God for that. And second, I was grateful for such a godly mother who loved us and nurtured us. You know, some folks may have a mother for a long time, but let's be honest. Sometimes those mothers are not the most nurturing mothers, okay? I can't imagine that because that wasn't my experience. But I know God blessed us, and I am so grateful. But I'm also grateful that Jesus is coming again. That's where we started, right? Be patient for the Lord's coming. And I know that she is in a better place and will be reunited one day. We just have to be patient. My faith tells me this. So while I miss her, I do every day miss her. But the promise of God is greater than death. And so we wait patiently and we pray gratefully. And if you want to supercharge the waiting and maximize the returns on your patience, then add prayer to the waiting. Whether you're in trouble or happy, or sad, or sick, make a habit of prayer. And trust that every word offered up to the Lord carries with it the power to effect change in the midst of your circumstances. Now James gave another illustration of another very famous Jewish leader. His name was Elijah. And this was the attitude Elijah had when he prayed again and again that rain would fall on the land. But we're going to read the original in, back in 1 Kings chapter 18 where it actually happened. Uh, we begin in verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, 
for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. He told his servant, go and look toward the sea, and he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising above the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now James wrote, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly. Now obviously we know that Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of God, but James reminds us that at the end of the day, Elijah was just a man. He was just like us. The extraordinary thing he did was pray fervently and believe, and God brought healing rain to the land. Friends, prayer matters. And when you add fervent prayer in the mouths of the righteous, you supercharge that season of waiting. And for those who believe, patience and prayer are two of the most powerful forces on earth. Now, while I was on vacation this past week, we were up in the Virginia mountains there. It was beautiful. I was reading in Psalm 86 for my quiet time, and a verse really touched me as I was reading it. It was verse 16 in Psalm 86. It reads, Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. The fact that the psalmist mentioned the faith of his mother is significant to me. And it makes me think that David's mother's faith played a major role in the faith that he developed. And as I think about my own life and my own faith, I realize that my mother played a major role in my faith. You know, today is my mom's first Mother's Day in heaven. I sort of don't want to debate about whether she's in a waiting place before the day of judgment. I do believe that's probably true. But she's in a better place than this place. And I sort of doubt that there's such a thing as Mother's Day in heaven, too. You know, you, uh, this is something we made up so people could sell cards, right? But it's still a wonderful thing. But one thing I feel certain of is this. My mother was a patient prayer. She certainly had many trials and tribulations in her life that caused her to go deeper into her faith. Her faith was active. She lived it out. She helped people in need. She would always listen to anybody that wanted to talk to her, and she was a great listener. After her divorce from my dad, she had to take care of uh, us as children. She never spoke ill of him in front of me. I mean, she asked God uh, for help in that, and he did. And I asked her years later how she was able 
to do that. And she explained that, yes, she had been bitter about what had happened, but she knew that bitterness would destroy her. And so she let go of that bitterness, and she prayed to God. She told me it took a lot of prayer. She asked God daily to help her overcome whatever bitterness she felt, and God did. Now, I'm not saying that my mom was perfect. There, there aren't any perfect mothers, no perfect dads, no perfect children, uh, by the way. But she served a perfect Savior, and she trusted in Him. And that's why I have confidence about where she is today. I pray that we would all take to heart the encouragement of Pastor James, that we would persevere in the testing, that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only, that we would be known for both our faith and our works, that our mouths would be filled with praise, and that we would be marked by our deep commitment to prayer and patience. Those characteristics have set us apart as Christians from the world for hundreds of years, and there's no reason to think that that's going to change anytime soon. So over the next few weeks, I just want to encourage you, take one or two of those big ideas from the book of James. Ask God to expand your courage and increase your faith. Ask Him to use you and the lives of others to shine His light, the light of the gospel, into the midst of their dark world. And do it all with faith that God will see you safely through until the very end. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for each mom who is here today. I thank you uh, that they came to worship you today, that they are trying to give their faith to their children and instill in their children this deep trust in you. Father, we know that we need patience in our lives. And I know some people might say, well, never pray for patience because God's going to do something to make you patient. But Lord, we need patience in our culture today. Help us put our trust in you and in the coming of your son. And help us to supercharge that patience by developing a life of prayer. It's all built on our trust in you. You are faithful and we love you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.